This is Positive Parenting. Parenting expertise and advice from best-selling parenting author and national newspaper columnist, Mr. Dad, Armin Brat. Hello and welcome to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brat, the founder of MrDad.com. Over the past two decades, an explosion of new studies has expanded our knowledge of how boys think and feel. In this program, we're going to be speaking with a psychologist and author who has done tons of research, and he's going to be challenging some of those age-old conventions about how boys become men. He believes that the paradigms about boys needing to be stoic and manly can actually cause them to shut down, leading to anger, isolation, and disrespectful or even destructive behaviors. The key to change in the culture lies in how parents, educators, and mentors help boys develop socially and emotionally. He's got step-by-step guidance about how to do exactly that. It's like listening and observing without judgment so that boys know they're being heard. Helping boys develop strong connections with teachers, coaches, and other role models. Encouraging boys to talk about their feelings about the opposite sex and stressing the importance of respecting women and letting boys know that they don't have to be a man or suck it up when they're experiencing physical or emotional pain. I'm Armin Brat. We'll start our discussion about how to raise a boy and build him into a good man in today's challenging times, which are not always the most supportive of boys, when Positive Parenting continues right after this. More with Mr. Dad. Armin Brat after this from the MrDad.com radio network. Check it out, it's the Terminator. Hey, when'd you get back, huh? Did you have to shoot anyone? Why are you so distant? Are you not happy to see me? So what's the deal? You gonna get a job now or what? Why are you being so jumpy? Put all that stuff behind you, okay? No one knows what it's like to come back from Iraq or Afghanistan unless they were there. Join other veterans at communityofveterans.org because we know where you're coming from. Brought to you by Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America and the Ad Council. McGruff the crime dog here. Let's hear from an identity thief. Identities are easy to catch online. I send people an official-looking email pretending to be their bank or credit card company and ask them to confirm their personal information. Looks them every time. Safeguard your personal information on the phone, online, and especially at home because half of identity theft occurs by someone you think you know. Keep your identity to yourself and take a bite out of crime. Learn more from the National Crime Prevention Council at ncpc.org. A message from this station, the U.S. Department of Justice, Crime Prevention Coalition of America, and the National Crime Prevention Council. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brat, and my guest for this part of today's show is Michael Reichert, who's the author of How to Raise a Boy, The Power of Connection to Build Good Men. Michael, thanks for joining us. Armin, nice to be with you and also with your listeners. You talk about how boys are, in a sense, boxed in, confined to certain very limiting roles, and how that has a negative effect on them. Can you explain that a little bit more? Sure, I can. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a, a bunch of different research studies. The one in particular that I talk about in my book at some length is called the Man Box Study. That was done in in 2017, 2018. And what that study uh, did was survey and interview uh, about 1,500 young men from the U.S., U.K., and Mexico. What they found was that uh, the young men, those, those young adult men, 
uh, reported uh, in their survey responses and in their interviews that indeed they received uh, many, many messages and cues about uh, needing to conform to masculine norms, cultural norms, and that those norms essentially involve uh, confining them to a very rigid, restrictive uh, uh, set of behaviors and attitudes. Um, and Armin, what was particularly, to me, striking about that research study was that 79% uh, of the young men in the U.S. portion of, this, of the study said that they got those messages from their parents, from their families. Hmm. Meaning that, that mothers and fathers are limiting boys' options. Or what, what exactly, yes, is, or think, what exactly uh, is happening? You know, yeah, so, so on, you know, and I think it differs by, by, by gender of, of the parents. I think for moms, the messages are very, very clear and strong. Uh, that if they keep their sons close, if they encourage relationship, they risk spoiling their son's masculinity, uh, mm. undermining it, turning them into mama's boys. And so behind that kind of uh, messaging, uh, boys and families are being uh, pushed out of the nest uh, way before they're ready in too many families. Uh, fathers, on the other hand, are feeling it's their responsibility, their duty almost, to teach their boys about masculinity at the expense of really backing their humanity, keeping them close and attending to their their emotional needs. So really from both directions or from both parents, boys are getting uh, the message that what's important about who they are is their ability to conform to these man box norms, um, you know, parents are worried. Parents are uh, feeling duty bound, and so forth. You know, that's that's really fascinating. I, I and what's even more troubling as I'm going through the book is you're talking about how there's pushback when you get out there as somebody who's been in the field working with men and boys for a long time, and I've had the same experience try to talk about the need for changing things, the way that we react to boys, the way that we support boys or don't support boys, and, and that we in schools or other places need to do outreach in, in a boy-friendly kind of way, that you get pushback, and, it, and it's political in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, 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 I think I use the term ideological, but I think that uh, when I first began this work, and granted it was 30 years ago, um, what I encountered to my surprise, you know, I'm a developmental psychologist and was charged by this boys' school to double down on the rigor of our, of our scientific understanding of boys' development and education. Uh, and what I found was that independent of the, the scientific uh, uh, basis for the evidence, um, there's a lot of really strong emotional investment in certain ideas about boys in particular. Now we've had, uh, we've had 30, 40 years of a women's movement that has radically altered uh, the cultural norms for girls and women. That work's not done, but girls have certainly been lofted up by that, that, that movement. 
what we're finding uh, in, in various uh, research uh, studies is that the, the, the concomitant uh, uh, movement on behalf of boys is really stuck, largely stuck in a reproduction from generation to generation of a set of ideas that really have very little to do with boys themselves, their natures and their needs, and much more to do with an overarching ideology, you know, that, that males are a particular way, that the, the glorification of the Lone Ranger, the stoic, strong man who, uh, who needs nobody and is capable, at a, you know, at, a, at the drop of a, of, a, of a gauntlet, you know, to defend himself or defend his family and so forth. And, you know, what I say in, in, in the book and the whole reason in some ways for writing the book is that uh, for generations there have been routine losses and casualties uh, as a result of this kind of boyhood that was designed for boys but not really with boys' needs in mind. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, on the one hand, you know, outcomes of male development are not particularly encouraging, whether it's health outcomes, mortality outcomes, uh, emotional development outcomes, mm -hmm. sure. relational outcomes, educational outcomes. They're dismaying. Um, you know, most, most dramatically, uh, uh, males predominate. Uh, on the 15 uh, leading causes of premature mortality. Um, males predominate in uh, suicide rates, for example. Oh, and um, not, not by, just so, just so you know, people know, outcomes, Yeah, not, not by just a little bit. It's three to one or four to one um, male, yeah. male over yeah. female. It's not just, you know, 10% more or something like that. And I, I actually remember having a conversation with the, the head of the Marin County Health Department and trying to work with him on creating some programming for some for, for boys and men. And he said, well, give me an example of a problem. And I said, well, you have about 75% of suicides are, are male, and about 75 or 80% of opiate deaths are male. And he, he was quiet for a couple seconds, and then he said, you know, if things were reversed and those numbers were predominantly female, I would know exactly what to do and what resources to mobilize to deal with that public health emergency, but I don't know what to do. And it seemed to me that I have heard similar kinds of things from, from people in all sorts of different quarters that, yeah, it's, it's boys, but we don't know what to do about that, or it's because they're doing stupid things, or that there's a way of of minimizing how important these things are. Yeah, you know, I so I give that uh, 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 that that uh, commissioner you spoke with a lot of credit for being so honest with you. Um, but you know what I what I what I hear in his response to you is that uh, uh, we don't really know what we should know what's in front of our eyes. I'll give you an example. I did, uh, I was the lead investigator on two global studies of boys' education. And the first study really asked, you know, tell us what's working in, in your classrooms. And we 
We surveyed, you know, about a thousand teachers in 18 different schools in six different countries. We also included 1,500 or so boys, teenage boys from age 12 to 18. And what we heard was essentially that boys are relational learners, that they really require a connection with a teacher or a coach as a, as a way to engage or a, a, a reason to engage with a, with a lesson. Um, and uh, then the second study was really digging into that and asking what kinds of relationships work and how do teachers do it and what happens when relationships break down. Michael, please hold that thought. We've got to take a quick break here. I'm talking with Michael Reichert, who's the author of How to Raise a Boy, The Power of Connection to Build Good Men. We're going to take a quick break, as I just mentioned. And when we come back, we're going to keep talking to Michael. want to get further into the two global studies of boys' education that he was working on and a lot more. I'm Armin Brott, and you're listening to Positive Parenting. This heavyweight bout is about to begin. The challenger wears white trunks with a blue stripe, and the champ is wearing, uh, looks like an examination gown from the doctor's office. And from the back, we can... Ooh, that's not pretty. Champ, what's with the crazy getup? I've got to take care of my family. Yeah, so? Well, when you love your family, you got to go in and get those important medical screenings. A lot of potentially deadly diseases can be treated if you catch them in time. So you wear the examination gown because... Because I'm a real man. Real men take care of their families and get those tests. Real men wear gowns. Okay, champ. Good luck. Here we go. The champ's not wasting any time. It's over. This fight is over. Champ, you barely broke a sweat. Any words for your fans out there? Remember, go to ahrq.gov for a list of the tests they need to get and when to get them. What was that web address again? ahrq.gov. And remember, real men wear gowns. Go to ahrq.gov. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AHRQ, and the Ad Council. It kind of freaks me out that some people actually go through their trash to pull out recyclables. That's not for me. Maria Inez Phillips talks about not recycling. I've got too many newspapers and magazines and catalogs in there with plastic containers and bottles and cans. In your recycling bin? No, in my trash. Your trash can is full of recyclables? No, it's full of trash. You say trash, Maria. I say rubbish. Whatever it is, I'm not going through it. I don't even know what they do with recyclables. They make more of the things you use, Maria. More newspapers, more bottles and cans. Out of a bunch of trash? I just don't get it. Some things are very obvious, Maria. Recycling creates jobs and protects the environment. Is that important to you? It is, which is why I put my trash where it belongs. Learn the difference between trash and recycling and more on our website, yougottobekidding.org. I put out way too much trash to think about recycling. See why recycling is not rubbish. Visit yougottobekidding.org today. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brod. If you're just joining us, I'm talking with Michael Reichert, who's the author of How to Raise a Boy, The Power of Connection to Build Good Men. Michael, I know we had to cut the conversation short just a second ago, but I want to have you continue talking about the two global studies that you do you were doing on boys and education. You know, we've had a crisis in boys' education for the last uh, uh, decade. It's become clear Uh, although boys have been uh, underachieving for at least a century, it's become uh, a higher-profile problem. Um, When uh, in in these two clothes I was describing, we dug into this a bit. What we discovered was that boys are essentially relational learners and require a connection with a teacher or a coach as as a means to engage, as a way to be motivated to engage, 
And absent that kind of connection, they find it really hard to get any traction or to buy in. When we went around and we presented those findings to uh, uh, schools and audiences of teachers, what we heard essentially was, yeah, we know that, but, and, and there wasn't anything in the way of a conscious uh, a pedagogy, relational pedagogy, or a set of strategies for working with boys, particularly difficult boys where relationships had broken down. Um, it was as if teachers didn't know what they knew. And, and that's really my point in general when it comes to boys' development and boys' uh, uh, education, is that we're sort of all in a fog because, I think, of these cultural stereotypes that obscure boys' real natures. I think the same thing applies in families. I mentioned, you know, that, that both moms and dads mm-hmm. yeah. are, are compelled by these, by these myths, these masculine myths, to treat their boys in ways that are really counter to their natures and their needs. Even though I think parents understand that boys really are emotional and need to be listened to, many families convey to boys the message that they should suck it up, that they should not show fear or heartache or disappointment, um, that they should be tough, be strong, rise above it. Yeah. And, yeah, the you know, whole big boys what don't cry thing. Essentially, leave boys alone in the echo chamber of their own mind, which is not a happy place to be. So l- let's talk. Uh, <laughs> not in a dangerous place to be, I think. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about how this plays out when boys are not being given proper messages about what it is to be a man, and instead they're being told that that things that are masculine are wrong, and and there's this overwhelming chorus of toxic masculinity, which I got to say, it really irks me um, because it's it's just so, so one-sided. There probably is such a thing as toxic masculinity in, in that some boys and men are not behaving well, but masculinity itself is not toxic, and it's actually a good thing. It saves lives and does all sorts of other good stuff. But tell us about some of, of the ways that this is playing out and the, the effects that are happening. We talked about the suicide rate, and, and uh, you mentioned physical health, but give us some, some specifics. Sure, but let me just comment, if, if I could, on, on your, 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 your reactions to the, the, the very popular sort of cultural meme, uh, toxic masculinity. I, I'm, I, I'm in agreement with you, uh, uh, Armin, that, that the term is actually uh, not helpful and misleading. I think it's misleading because it, it directs our attention away from the real problem, which is the design of boyhood. Boys come into this world, and they expect that we, the adults who are the keepers of boyhood and the managers of boyhood, that we know what we do when we've designed a boyhood for them that's just right. I have a two-and-a-half-year-old grandson, and I'm just struck by how deeply he trusts me to know what he needs and to respond to his needs appropriately. And yet what I see happening to him is him picking up messages from his school, from his peer group, from his parents, from everyone around him, that there's a certain way that he should behave as a boy it really runs counter to who he is now. You know, the freeness of his mind and his emotional literacy and so forth. 
So, you know, in, in terms of the effects of this poisonous pedagogy, that's the term that Alex Miller used, the Swiss psychoanalyst. And mm-hmm. I think that gets at what we're trying to convey when we talk about toxic masculinity. There's a, there's a poisonous set of ideas that are inherent in the boyhood that we've designed and that, that follow, certainly, that sort of follow uh, a child when he's identified as a male. Um, but the effect of that is to cut a boy off from himself, from his heart, from his ability to regulate his emotional state and therefore his behavior. We, 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 we all need what we call relational anchors to whom we're accountable. We carry, you know, the, our parents, for example, in our, in our minds as our consciences, uh, particularly when we're young. Uh, in that kind of conventional morality stage, you know, we hold ourselves accountable to what mm-hmm. we think our parents want from us, and that becomes internalized as a as a conscience. Yeah. But when we cut boys off from from themselves and from other people, people to whom they are morally accountable, we're adrift, and we're capable of doing just about anything particularly as we're goaded by our peer group, which is kind of the go-to reference reference group that we fall to. You know, boys, peer culture, brotherhood is not the healthiest place. Let me ask you a little bit. We only have just a, no, we only have just a couple minutes left. I want to make sure that we're able to get to your suggestions for what we as, as parents, yep. as yep. educators, and, and just people in society— can do to change these things. And, and again, we just, just have a couple of minutes, but I want to make sure that we at least lay the groundwork yep. for some things we can do. Yeah, I know. I appreciate the question, Armin. In the book, describe three strategies that I think really are, are foundational skills in raising a boy. And they all have to do essentially with ways that parents can deepen and maintain a strong connection with their sons. Uh, the one is deep listening. What we find in general is that so many of us parents, when we're with our sons, we find ourselves reacting to him rather than proactively offering him an open space in which he can reveal who he is, what he's thinking, what he's feeling. So practicing listening to boys in a way that conveys to them that we're really interested in them, we're delighted in them, and that we want to know everything about them. That's a skill that we really need to work on specifically. The second skill is a skill of special time, or strategy rather, and that's really finding a way to carve out regular time that your son can depend upon uh, where we get to go and be with him and he gets to take us wherever he wants to playing video games or throwing a lacrosse ball around or going for a walk or whatever it might be, but the point really is to convey to our son that we're willing to follow his lead and go where he wants to take us. And what we find is that parents can really create that kind of special time structure in their weekly routines, family routines. Boys will use that time uh, purposefully Mm -hmm. to reveal themselves, including revealing their struggles. And, and how do we do that in schools? How do we get schools to understand that boys may learn differently, that they may need something, and that, that there's nothing wrong with being a boy? Well, I think that the, the most important, you know, I, I've been doing a lot of workshops all around the world 
for school faculty and conferences of educators. And, and you know, the idea that boys are relational learners, the data I present are very, very clear. I think teachers get it. And what schools have to do is really provide the, the support and the space for teachers to make their relationships with their students a priority, the emotional labor of, of building the relationship and maintaining it. There's a, there's a role we call the relationship manager that, that falls to the educator, uh, in, you know, in particular. And uh, that role involves noticing the relationship quality, building it, reconnecting if it's fallen apart, and assuming primary responsibility for that role is something that I think in particular teachers yeah. need to understand. Talking with Michael Reichert, who's the author of How to Raise a Boy, The Power of Connection to Build Good Men, a really important and interesting book. Michael, thanks so much for being a guest. Great to have you. Carmen, nice talking with you. Nice being with you. It kind of freaks me out that some people actually go through their trash to pull out recyclables. That's not for me. Maria Inez Phillips talks about not recycling. I've got too many newspapers and magazines and catalogs in there with plastic containers and bottles and cans. In your recycling bin? No, in my trash. Your trash can is full of recyclables? No, it's full of trash. You say trash, Maria. I say rubbish. Whatever it is, I'm not going through it. I don't even know what they do with recyclables. They make more of the things you use, Maria. More newspapers, more bottles and cans. Out of a bunch of trash? I just don't get it. Some things are very obvious, Maria. Recycling creates jobs and protects the environment. Is that important to you? It is, which is why I put my trash where it belongs. Learn the difference between trash and recycling and more on our website, yougottobekidding.org. I put out way too much trash to think about recycling. See why recycling is not rubbish. Visit yougottobekidding.org today. Hello, welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott, and it's time for an Ask Mr. Dad segment. Dear Mr. Dad, I've read several of your columns that have touched on the health of men and boys, but you haven't spent much time talking about mental health. Is male mental health different than females? Very different. Within the broader men's health crisis, there's one area where differences between male and female mortality and morbidity are especially stark mental health, the most visible manifestation of which is suicide. Across all ages and ethnicities, American men commit suicide at far higher rates than women. According to the most recent CDC data, between the ages of 15 and 65, roughly three and a half times more men than women commit suicide. For those over 74, the difference is a startling 9.3 to 1. The alarming disparity in suicides is undoubtedly driven by equally alarming disparities in the underlying mental health conditions that lead to suicide itself, including depression and anxiety, psychosis, and especially substance abuse. Between 2015 and 16, male life expectancy decreased by 0.2 years, which actually is a rather dramatic decline over such a short period of time. That decline was driven to a large extent by an even more dramatic 9% increase in the male suicide rate, which in turn was related to a parallel increase in substance abuse, in particular opiate use among men. Medical providers, members of the public health community, community organizations, politicians, and the media have collectively been unable or unwilling to acknowledge the massive scope of the mental health issues that affect males. 
As a result, tens of thousands of American men and boys are dying and suffering from what many experts believe are preventable and treatable behavioral and mental health issues. The effects of this collective mismanagement of mental health issues in men and boys extend to nearly every aspect of American society and have broad implications for the ways we provide or don't provide preventive mental health services to our fathers, sons, brothers, partners, and friends. The Affordable Care Act, for example, provides girls and women with annual free well-woman visits, which include mental health screenings. No such coverage exists for boys and men. So what can we do to help resolve this mental health crisis? Well, first, most experts agree that to help boys and men manage the behavioral health and mental health issues, particularly those that are inextricably linked to violence, we need male-focused tools, programs, social support systems, and clinical care, not only in providers' offices, but also in schools, the workplace, and community organizations. Second, Rather than continue to criticize toxic masculinity, we need to celebrate fathers and other male role models. From a very young age, boys grow up hearing, big boys don't cry, play through it, and man up. Those powerful messages keep boys and men from recognizing that they need help and from reaching out to get that help. Fathers and other adult male role models can help boys and young men understand that expressing emotions and asking for help are signs of strength, not weakness and that caring and nurturing are far better ways of showing you're a man than committing senseless acts of violence. Thanks for listening to Positive Parenting. You can get more information on today's show and what we're working on in the weeks ahead at MrDad.com. While you're there, visit the MrDad.com gift shop with everything you need to help you become the dad or mom you want to be. Positive Parenting is a production of the MrDad.com radio network. Now, go be a great parent.